Welcome back to All Things Mysterious, where we talk about true crime, paranormal, and the supernatural. I'm Matt. I'm George. Today, I've got a... This is probably one of the best stories I've ever done. Uh, definitely the most in-depth. <laughs> I'm not going to even say how long it took me to uh, do the research and to actually type it all up. Um, let's just say there's two days where I didn't get very much sleep at all. So, this is going to be a good one. Um, Jordan, do you know anything about Roswell? Matter of fact, Nothing you, I do. Oh, I can't believe you don't know anything. Well, guess what? Lucky for you, I'm going to tell you all about it. Lucky for you, I know all sorts of things about Roswell. That is correct, Matthew. I know you know nothing. I can't believe that. Every Everyone should know about Roswell. I'm going to figure out what case you have. <laughs> figure out all of the things about it and beat you to the damn the, the, the funny thing is, like, I, that's one reason why I always tell you something different. I hate you so much. <laughs> she honestly thought I was coming in here to do a cryptid case. No, you know what? You leave your phones on your desk all the time at work. I'm going to figure this shit out. You just got to figure out my password. Good luck. I don't even know my password half the time. <laughs> I believe that, actually. That's <laughs> why <laughs> I got fingerprint ID. Uh, okay. So... Let's uh, start just with a brief overview. Very brief. The Roswell UFO incident refers to a series of events that occurred in July 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico, sparking decades of speculation and conspiracy theories. Jordan's favorite thing in the world. Conspiracy theory. Uh, mm. It all began when a local rancher named Mac Brazel, awesome name by the way, uh, just I'm really proud of yourself, proud of you for pronouncing it correctly. Because I think like you pronounced it correctly. Honestly, that guy's got to be like the most like famous guy when it comes to, yeah, especially aliens. Uh, definitely. Uh, anyways, uh, so Mac discovered unusual debris on his property, described as metallic fragments strange materials and beams with high, high, high hieroglyphic like symbols I jinxed it you did <laughs> uh, Brazel reported the findings to the military at Roswell Army Field in an initial press release the military announced the recovery of a flying disc suggesting the possibility of an unidentified flying object or UFO uh, however, within hours, a second press release contradicted the first, claiming that the debris was from a weather balloon. Weather balloon. That's like the Always worst. a weather balloon. I know. That's like the <laughs> worst freaking... Like, honestly, the military needs, like, a better person to come up with their cover stories. If anybody else out there has ever seen... There used to be a TV show called Haven. I don't know if you've ever seen Haven, but every single thing is a gas leak. <laughs> every single thing that's ever happened at Haven, it's just a, it's just a gas leak. The military's bird. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> just a weather balloon. Yeah. So this abrupt change fueled suspicion and gave rise to the belief that the military was covering up the true nature of the incident. 
honestly, what they did, uh, especially with the timing, is they made it a hundred times worse than it actually would have been. They probably could have left with the initial press release and maybe after a few days, it would it would have just blown over, I think. Um, I honestly truly believe that. I mean, because, you know, we had the... Not too long ago, they had the government... Uh, the what, Senate or House thing committee where that guy from Area 51 or whatever... I forgot who he was. Scientist or something. Actually claimed that there was... You know, that we recovered alien DNA and alien crafts. Basically confirming Roswell. Yeah, but wasn't that like during the height of... Yeah. Us were just like, yeah, yeah okay, and... Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, we already knew this. Come on. Tell us something we don't know. Well, all of us were just like, okay, cool. Great. <laughs> and... and that, that's my point is like, they made it so much worse by lying. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, okay, sweet. There's airlines. Cool. All right. Your point. Yeah. Uh, so oh, eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts have since emerged with some individuals claiming to have been, have seen not just debris, but also non-humanoid bodies at the crash site. The conflicting information coupled with the lack of transparency from the military has led to widespread speculation about extraterrestrial involvement and a government cover-up. The Roswell incident was become a cultural phenomenon inspiring numerous books, documentaries, movies, and TV shows. While some believe it was an extraterrestrial event, skeptics argue that it could be explained by classified government projects, such as Project Mogul. Mogul. Weird name. Uh, but we'll get into more of that later. Uh... So despite various investigations and official explanations, the Roswell UFO incident remains an enduring mystery, captivating the imagination of people worldwide. The end. Oh, great episode. Just kidding. I got one. <laughs> that was just a brief overview. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, we could set this up as like a whole TV show. I even did the whole thing where they like repeat stuff just to remind you of what they, where they left off before the commercial break. <laughs> we have no commercial breaks, but we're going to pretend we do. Last episode. <laughs> <laughs> before the break, we talked about the overview. Like. <sighs> They do that on last episode on and i'm like listen we've been binging this i know what happened last episode awesome show by the way i got onto uh, watching tiktok videos of it yeah um so let's set the stage in july 1947 roswell new mexico was a small quiet town nestled in the vast and arid landscapes of the american southwest known for its proximity to military installations and as a hub for ranching and agriculture. Roswell was removed from the bustling urban centers of the time. And why the fuck can I read all this perfectly? I don't know. I'm staring you down, hoping that you keep messing up, but you're not, so... I, like, I don't know what changed today. <laughs> you're doing great, though. Keep it up. No joke. I, like, I, I didn't have time to actually, like, basically practice this. So I, the practicing is messing you maybe up. Maybe it I is. Don't know. I don't know because you know I I read through it everything, double checked everything, and but I just didn't actually get a practice of it like I usually do. 
So maybe I'm just not gonna practice anymore. Um, the town's population was just over 20,000 and the local economy thrived on ranching with wide expanses of open land surrounding the community. The desert landscape characterized by mesas and sagebush brush I did mess that up. Uh, painted on a serene and seemingly uneventful picture of life in the region. In the midst of the tranquility, the events that unfolded in July of that year would captivate Roswell or catapult Roswell into the annals of Ulu UFO lore. Uh, the discovery made by rancher Mac Basil Brazel. God damn it. <laughs> Mac Brazel on the Foster Ranch, located about 30 miles north of Roswell, would disrupt the usual calm of the southwestern town. The summer days in Roswell were typically hot, with temperatures soaring into the 90s, creating a shimmer and heat haze over the desert terrain. It was against this backdrop that the mysterious debris, described as metallic fragments and unconventional materials, was found on the ranch. The military presence in and around Roswell were, was significant. With the Ar Roswell Army Airfield, or RAAF, playing a key role. In the post-World War II era, military bases like RAAF were at the forefront of technological advancements and classified projects. Against this backdrop of rural tranquility and military significance, the events surrounding the Roswell UFO incident would unfold setting the stage for a mystery that continues to captivate the world's imagination. And of course, fuel speculation, speculation about extraterrestrial encounters and government secrecy. All the government. Uh, yeah, and that's... Again, I'm just going to say this, government, if you're listening to this, stop trying to cover stuff up. You're not good at it. Weather balloons. <laughs> always the weather balloon. I want to say whoever does whoever does it, like these government cover-ups just has like a wheel that they spin where they you know have like a bunch of different stuff on there and they I just, just spin feel the like wheel. weather weather balloon is like on there 20 times yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gas explosion is on there once the rest of it's on. yeah <laughs> seems to be their go-to honestly <laughs> What's the other one? No, no, no. It was just a, just a practice, practice. Tests. Okay, let's start with uh, Mac Brazel's discovery on the ranch. Let's get into that a little more. Um, so in the vast expanses of the Foster Ranch, located approximately 30 miles north of Roswell, New Mexico, the ordinary routines of rancher Mac Brazel were about to be disrupted. In the summer of 1947, a time when, blah, 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 um, where I was at now. All right. In early July, Mac Brazel set out on horseback to check his sheep after a severe thunderstorm had passed through the area. Uh, little did he know that this routine check would lead to a discovery that would eventually become a focal point. 
Uh, as Brazel traversed the ranch, he stumbled upon something unusual. Do you know what that is? I'm assuming. Wrong. What we would believe to be a UFO. The debris later described by Brazel obviously consisted of metallic fragments, lightweight materials. And the thing that like gets me is the hieroglyphic like symbols on the thing. Um, so obviously he was intrigued and perplexed by this. Um, he collected some of the materials and, and, you know, just continued an inspection of the farm, which to me is the weirdest thing ever. I'm like, well, here's some weird stuff. Let me collect some samples and let me go finish the rest of my duties. Honestly, coming from somebody who's, I've never actually like lived on a farm, but I've taken a farm several times. And like, there's a point that you hit where you're just like, I got shit to do and I'm just going to do it. And I got to take care. So I'm just going to pick this shit up and keep going. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I got stuff to do. So this is the weirdest part to me. So days later on July 7th, 1947, Brazel decided to report his discovery to the local authorities. He contacted the Chavez County Sheriff, George Wilcox, and shared the details of the unusual debris he had found on the Foster Ranch. Recognizing the potential significance of the discovery, Sheriff Wilcox promptly notified officials at the Army Roswell or Roswell Army Airfield. Wrath. Uh to me, that's weird that he waited so long. That is kind of odd. He was like, found all this stuff. I'm just going to keep it for a while. And then the sheriff kind of instantly knows that it's probably a big deal. So let's get somebody in here who can. Uh, that is really odd. Yeah. Um, so Brazel's report set into motion series of events. Um, obviously, we're going to get into a lot of them here in you know, a minute after the break. And we're back. <laughs> let's kind of get into the, uh, the, let's get into more of the description of the debris. Uh, so the metallic fra fragments, uh, the wreckage includes small lightweight metallic fra fragments that appear to be part of a larger structure. Witnesses described the metal as unusually thin and possessing unique properties. Some accounts suggested that the metallic material could not be easily bent or damaged, leading to the belief that it was not consistent with conventional aircraft construction. Which to me, if that's the case, if it was, you know, unable to be broken, how did the plane, how did the UFO crash? And exactly. Like, how did it fall apart? Because if there were yeah. separate pieces of it everywhere, but it was also broken, how did Maybe it just took a lot of force, maybe. I don't know. Um, so in addition to the metallic fragments, the debris field contained unconventional materials that d defied easy identification. Witnesses reported finding lightweight yet durable substances that did not resemble typical aircraft components. The materials were, were said to be resistant to burning or breaking further add into the mystery. Um, that's just weird. <laughs> well, the whole thing. Yeah, it's like, you know, and not I'm not saying I don't believe this at all, because I mean, obviously at this point, we kind of know that it happened. 
Uh, but, like, you know, how could something be unbreakable yet breakable at the same time? But, I'm trying to think, like... And did they actually get bigger pieces of the UFO that we just don't know about at the time? I well, mean, and I'm sure that they follow that a secret. Yeah. Kind of like in you know, the true crime cases that I do have, like, called guilt. That they keep to themselves mm. and things public, though I'm sure that all that they from it. But, like, how does... How does some breakable therapy... I don't... Yeah. That's con... I, I mean, know. I guess if there's already pieces of it that maybe they had put together that fell apart on... If that makes sense. Like... It just... It's, it's so weird to me, like... Because it's almost, like, contradictory. Uh, like, you got this material that's unbreakable, but yet it obviously had to break to be there. Exactly. Otherwise, it would only one peak yeah. not is I mean that that's kind of like the big thing there that kind of gives me a pause uh no obviously it was you know 1947 so I mean technically what I'm thinking like if it was made of multiple pieces of one thing like I don't know I'm thinking like multiple pieces of metal yeah. put together on oh like, that, like panels yeah like pants thinking of yeah. Like maybe the panels themselves were unbreakable, but the panels themselves were put on tip. And then when the panels like crashed, the panels came apart, like off the ship, but you couldn't break the individual panel. Kind of but it like, still doesn't make a lot of sense because yeah. you still have to have the individual panels. Yeah, and like to you fit still have their, to make the individual panels, right? You know, yeah, because they're talking about you know little fragments. So I mean, those would oh, have to be like well, that's little, fair. little tiny. Like I think from other accounts I've heard is you know that there was like almost like tin foil type material, uh, like you know those like space blankets. Oh yeah, where it's kind of shiny and then yeah. um, but it's really thin. Like the emergency. Yeah, yeah. There was some that said that it was just like that. Uh, that you couldn't actually, you couldn't bend it or, or you know, like crumple it up. Uh, it was just like really strong. Um, Got me thinking. Then there is. I don't know that. Way beyond me. Yeah. So, among the most intriguing aspects were the hieroglyphics that they found. Um, so, witnesses, including Mac Bradwell, reported finding strange markings on some of the debris. The symbols were often described as geometric patterns or characters that did not correspond spawn to any recognizable human language. Uh, yeah, those ones, that's kind of the weird part, right? Because that, honestly, I don't, I don't even remember ever hearing about the, the symbols. I don't either. All I remember was hearing about the ship and found. Yeah, and then the you know the debris filled, uh, and then of course everybody heard about the supposed cover up where the the weather balloon giant cover up. Yeah. Uh, so the combination of these elements, unusual metal fragments, unconventional materials, and mysterious symbols, contributed to the perception that the debris might be from an ex- extraterrestrial f- source. The notion was further fueled by eyewitness accounts and the subsequent military response which initially hinted at the recovery of a flying disc 
before a sudden reversal to weather weather balloon explanation. Oh yeah, the weather balloon. <sighs> gotta gotta watch I, them. They get crazy out I there. I don't know how you get from flying disc to weather to balloon. Weather balloon. Uh, they look exactly the same, you know. Yeah. Exactly the same. Just all, all exactly the same. I don't know if you. They they look exactly yeah. like. Yeah, the weather balloon that you don't want any kind of metal to weigh down. You know that kind of weather balloon. Exactly. Um, the balloon is made. Oh, all the metal. Yeah. So the peculiar nation nature. <laughs> Why I do you keep putting that word in? There? I don't know. <laughs> the strange nature of the debris became a central point of interest in the investigation of the Roswell UFO incident, leading to decades of speculation and debate about the true origin and composition of the materials found on the Foster Ranch in July 1947. So now let's get into the initial press release. Is this so <laughs> now we're getting into the good stuff. Uh, the initial confusion surrounding the Roswell UFO incident began when, you know, Mac Brazel reported the discovery. Um, the military, uh, specifically the Roswell Army Airfield, intensified the mystery and led to the sequence. So, upon receiving the report from Mac Brazel, the military took swift action. Major Jesse Marcel, an intelligence officer at the Roswell Army Field, and we're just going to call it the Army Airfield. So that's a lot of words to say. <laughs> uh, let's just say the Army Base. We'll just say that. Uh, was dispatched to investigate the debris. Marcel, along with others, visited the Foster Ranch and collected some of the wreckage for further examination. On July 8, 1947, the next day, the public information officer at the Roswell base, Lieutenant Walter Hout issued a press release. Excuse me. Uh, issued a press release that would capture the world's attention. The release stated that the military had recovered a flying disc from the ranch near Roswell. This announcement echoing the possibility of an unidentified flying object ignited widespread interest and speculation. However, the excitement <laughs> the excitement generated by the initial press run was short-lived. Within hours, higher authorities intervened and a second press release was issued on July 8th con contradicting the first. The military revised its statement claiming that the debris was in fact from a weather balloon and not a flying disc. Hope what we said yeah. was actually wrong. Just kidding, though. So here's the thing. Here, Just kidding. They were so quick to get this out that they actually screwed themselves over. Because if they would have waited a day and been like, you know, we had more time to investigate the materials and we concluded that it was a weather balloon. Exactly. It would have been a lot more believable. Not a lot more credible. Not like light. three hours later. No, 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 no. It wasn't a flying object. It was a weather balloon. Promise us. We'll, we'll, we're telling you the truth. Well, it's like when you ask one of your kids, like something yeah yes no yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man okay you just know automatically yeah. like oh. that's a lie yeah. i mean it was just <laughs> it's too quick 
you know, forget about the whole weather one thing for just a second. It was just the speed of it because, you know, honestly, I think the first press release was probably released too early because uh, they didn't really have time to examine a lot of the debris and stuff. Took a quick look at it and they're like, yeah, yep, it's definitely disc. Yep. But however, the second one was way too quick then uh, because, that, you know, three hours later, supposedly they have an idea now who, by the way, these upper... You know, people in the military didn't actually examine anything at that point. Because there's no way they could have got there in time. Uh, a phone call. Yeah. They just basically said, well, this is not good. So let's release another statement saying that it was a weather balloon. So the revised explanation attributed the debris to weather balloon introduced an element of skepticism and confusion. The sudden reversal in the military's narrative raised questions about the transparency of the government. Uh... Uh, the conflicting press, press, press conflicting press releases and the abrupt change in the official story fueled speculation. Uh, obviously, the you know discrepancy between flying disc and weather balloon was kind of too They're big of very, a very too big of a leap. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, this was probably one of the pivotal moments in this whole thing and like i said it is literally the uh probably the thing that kept this along alive for so long uh so the swift intervention of the u.s military you know obviously shaped this whole thing and blew it way out of proportion i think uh as evident by you know the fact that you know we basically had confirmation that aliens crash landed here and we're just like, eh, whatever. We already know. <laughs> Most of us would have just been like, wow, okay, that's something. And I'd probably just, well, that's something. And then after a while, it would have just blown over. But no, we're going to make a giant deal about it because we covered it. Yeah. Um... All right, so the speculation about the military's motives in handling the Roswell UFO incident obviously has been a persistent aspect of the controversy. Uh, several theories have emerged over the years, contributing to the enduring mystery of you know the events that unfolded in July 1947. So, one prevalent speculation speculation I hate that word is that the military, in collaboration with higher government authorities, engaged in a deliberate cover-up of the, an extra, extraterrestrial encounter. Proponents of this theory argue that the initial acknowledgement of a flying disc in the press release was an inadvertent disclosure and the subsequent reversal to the, a weather balloon was an attempt to suppress the true nature of the recovered debris. And I will note, this is obviously the correct one. <laughs> accurate I mean, there's not really another way to look at it like yeah. let's just be honest I mean obviously at this point we know that they covered it up we, there's side one side two and the truth yeah. so <laughs> uh, 
All right. So surprise, that's the theory actually is actually the truth. Yes, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, so some suggest that the military in the midst of the Cold War and heightened tensions was driven by national security concerns. The idea is that if the debris was part of a secret military project or experimental technology, the military might have sought to downplay the incident to prevent potential adversaries from gaining insights into classified programs. Now, obviously, number one, the first one was the correct one. But let's just say, for instance, I do like this this one theory, uh, especially at the time that it happened, 1947, you know, right in the midst of the Cold War. That's very true. Um, so to me, I mean, that if we didn't know the first one was the truth, this would be the next logical one. Is it uh, has some actual merit. Yeah. So that's fair. But at the same Yeah. This next one There's not we though. Yeah, exactly. Uh so this next one is probably obviously going back to the fact that we were all told about this, you know, what was it a year ago now? Two years ago? I think it's like in twenty two or when the I don't know. Uh, I don't know. 20, 21, 22, and 23 kind of all blurred Very together. Uh, but so another speculation is that authorities cognizant of the potential impact on public morale and stability opted to change the narrative to avoid causing panic. The idea here is that acknowledging the recovery of a flying disc might have led to widespread fear and uncertainty during, during a period when the world was still recovering from World War II. I don't feel like that was actual logic there. I mean, it does in theory make sense. Uh, and granted, you know, times are different now than back in 1947. We're obviously more, we have more technolo technology and more, you know, information at our fingertips than they did back then. So I can kind of see this one, but it still is, like, yeah. I mean, I can kind of see it, but at the same time, I just feel like they were trying to cover everything up. Like, no, 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 don't worry. You don't have anything to worry about. It's uh -huh. all fine. This is all fine. You don't this have to worry about anything. There's aliens don't exist. Again, government, if you ever need to cover anything up, and this is just free advice, do not use weather blunt. It will I mean, not work. Like, try something more believable, like a complete and full lie that makes yeah. Because honestly, I would be more than a weather blunt. Oh, I know. Come up with something creative, you know. Have fun with it, but... Yeah, really, like, have some fun with it. I would be more likely to believe that. Like, if they came out with something that sounded insane i'd just be like you know what that might actually be true <laughs> sounds completely ridiculous so you probably yeah. so skeptics propose that the debris was part of project mogul a top secret government project involving high altitude balloons equipped with listening devices to monitor soviet nuclear tests the military's quick reversal and in this theory, could be attributed to the desire to maintain secrecy of the classified project. Again, we're going back to the before that that's that kind of ties in with national security concerns. Uh, so I think that kind of is, you know, obviously we know one is true. 
But if we didn't, you know. It's a balloon. Yeah. The materials not match. But I will say because the, you know, it's a top secret project. It's, you know, high altitude with listening devices and other stuff on it. But might have more stuff yeah, on it. Yeah, more that metallic might stuff. But still, yeah. it just does not match. Yeah. I mean, that's why, like, you know, obviously the national security, this is just more of like kind of a refined national security. It does at the same time. Uh, but even then, why would they say that it was actually a balloon if they wanted to release if yeah. they were listening to people. Well, I mean, because they didn't release that it was a Project Mogul balloon. I mean, they did. Actually, I think at one point they did release it. Uh, but that was just because by that point, the they were trying to kill down the, you know. But. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it didn't. I mean. It never went away. <laughs> That's why we're still here. Um. So, some theories suggest that the conflicting statements were a result of bureaucratic confusion and miscommunication within the military chain of command. According to this perspective, the left hand might not have been fully aware of what the right hand was doing, leading to contradictory <laughs> announcements. See, I wonder. Yeah. Uh, I think that's right, but not in the way that they're trying to imply. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's exactly how, like, we kind of got a better idea of what's going on because, you know, the right hand was saying that, hey, it's a flying saucer, and the left hand was saying, no, don't tell him that. We'll go with weather balloon. That's our favorite thing. <laughs> Good old weather balloon theory. Yeah. Oh, God. So, in essence, speculation about the military's motives ranges from, you know, intentional cover-up to considerations of national security, public perception, the bureaucratic shortcoming, regardless of the specific motivation, the handling of the Roswell incidents by the military remains a subject of intense scrutiny and debate. Obviously, yeah, regardless of what actually happened there, I mean, we already know, but regardless of that, uh, this is a, like a blueprint of what not to do on the government's end because yeah. they did and not And then do they've it. more or less done that over and over and over <laughs> on other random things. Oh. <laughs> like they never learned. No, they don't. They're like, oh, another random thing found in the sky? Weather balloon. Do you want to get into some uh, eyewitness accounts? Yes, obvious. Uh, so obviously we went over Mac Brazel. Uh, we went over Jesse Marcel, which was the major. Uh, so Glenn Davis. Do you know him? I'm so I sorry know for you. of him. <laughs> I've, I've heard the name. So he was a mortician. Uh, he claimed to have received unusual requests from military personnel at the Roswell base. According to Dennis, he was asked about child-sized coffins and observed strange debris at the military base. His account added another layer to the Roswell narrative. Uh, yeah, suggestion that the, the discovery of non-humanoid bodies, um, because obviously grays, you know, are said to be small. I don't know how much I believe him. Uh, Question on that would be like, they had the bodies. Why would they? Yeah. I feel like they would keep them for research. Yeah. Instead of like asking often. Exactly. That's. It would definitely keep them for. They wouldn't 
carry them or be asking. You know, I will say maybe at first they were kind of didn't know what to do. Uh, because, I mean, at this point, you know, you don't know if their bodies are explosive. You don't know if they're poisonous. You don't know if, you know, I mean, there's a lot you don't know. So, you know, maybe they wanted to put them in a coffin and maybe they just wanted to put them in a coffin to transport them. Because really, if you're going to transport coffins, you know, who's going to look inside? That is a fair point. I wouldn't uh, be looking but still. Yeah, but I mean, 1947, I don't think people would be looking inside. Uh, you know, I, I would. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. Oh, Coffin I would. Now. I would. You would. Of course you would. It's weird. Hey, military's, you know, hauling around a child coffin. I kind of want to know why. Coffins. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Frank Kaufman. He was a firefighter stationed at the Roswell Army Field, Army Base. Claimed to have witnessed military personnel loading a metallic-looking object into a truck. He described the object as resembling a large overturned disc. Kaufman's testimony supported the idea that more than just a weather balloon was involved. Again, um... I mean, he was a firefighter and he was stationed at, you know, on the Roswell base. So I think for him, he's more believable than the Glenn Davis. Uh, that we can. At yeah. The time. And, you know, no one disputes the fact that he was a firefighter and he was stationed on the base. So now does that mean that necessarily what he said was true? I mean, obviously we kind of know it was true now. Yeah, we're pretty aware that it's pretty much true at this point. It's like, uh, it's kind of like looking at this, like, you know, and looking at what we know now, uh, based on even if I wrote the script, you know, two years ago, three years ago, how much we know. I'm glad we waited. Yeah. And also, that's why, like, I still wanted to include this stuff because a lot of these are, like, the most prevalent, like, theories and, you know, eyewitness accounts and stuff of this case. Uh, now, again, you know, obviously a lot has changed because we know now. Um, but still, it's still a good thing to look at because it is really fascinating. Like, just the whole, like, web of everything. Lies. Yeah. 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 So now we're going to talk about Glenn Dennis's nurses friend, nurse friends. So Dennis mentioned two nurse friends, Alice Knight and Edna Strickland, who reportedly t- claimed to have seen humanoid bodies at the military base. According to their accounts, the bodies were small and had distinct features not resembling humans. Again, I don't trust Glenn Davis. Or Glenn Dennis, sorry. Glenn Davis just sounds more right than Glenn Dennis. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's kind of, as far as eyewitnesses, he's kind of low on the believable scale for me. Uh, The nurse friends, I don't... Unless they were, like, military nurses. Exactly. I don't know why they would have civilian nurses. Because, you know, I'm almost guaranteed... You can put names to the nurses. Try them be... Like, can we... But like, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm aware that we have verified for sure aliens do exist at no. this point. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people just kind of jumped on the bandwagon almost. And that's where I'm at. I think that they just uh, want. Yeah. Hey, look! I saw aliens when I was there. 
Yeah. Uh, so Barney Barnett. He was a civilian working in the White Sands Proving Grounds. Uh, and he claimed to have seen a white saucer. Oh, oh white. Sorry. He claimed to have seen a saucer-shaped object crash in the desert. His testimony, though not widely known until later, added an additional perspective. Uh, so, he again... I mean, he didn't come forward straight away. He kind of took it, which get, to me gives him a little more credibility. Uh, yeah, it does, because like... I mean, same time, I don't know. But again, it waiting so long, it makes it harder to verify any of the information. Um... But again, at the same time, it's like, saw some weird crash thing. Yeah. I don't know. So if I needed to tell somebody about it, it's just something I saw. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I saw a UFO crash, I don't know if I'd ever say, you know, say anything. I mean, I'd tell you and probably tell it on the podcast. Right. Uh, but I mean, if we didn't have the podcast, I don't think, you know. I right. Don't know. Like, what do you do about that? It's not just, just like, well, I, I saw that. Okie dokie then. Um. So, it's essential to note that while these testimonies have contributed to the intrigue surrounding the Roswell incident, skeptics argue that some may be influenced by the passage of time, the influence of media, or the desire for attention. Uh, the credibility of eyewitness accounts remains a subject of debate. Um, which, even though, I mean, we do know now, I think the credibility still kind of can be debated, because, like I said, I mean, Glenn Dennis... I think he was just trying to get attention. Same thing with his nurse friends. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Frank Kaufman. I think he probably was near gave incredible win. Jesse Marcel. I mean, I think he's probably the most credible because he was the major who exactly. Uh, and then obviously Mac Brazel, which to be fair, uh, some weird things. Yeah, he. Why did he sit on it? Yeah. I can understand, like, starting to clean it up. And mm -hmm. I don't know, though. That's weird. Don't get me wrong. I understand. And You're on a farm. You got crafted. Yeah. Okay. Like, you got livestock to tend. You got things to. You got fixes to. Fences to fix. Yeah. Got wrong. And you got things you have to tend to, like, all day, every day, sun up to sundown. Oh, yeah. And then it was. You but know then, like, probably should report it. Like, yeah. Right then. But out and waited on it so i mean obviously obviously um you know like mac Brazel, you know he would end up changing his story uh you know supposedly got paid off by the government because i think right after he changed his story he got a brand new truck uh, i think he even paid off his mortgage on the farm or something i heard uh but i mean i mean Honestly, do you blame him? I mean, if I was there and the government offered to give me money to keep my mouth shut, I probably would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, especially back then, like, okay. Uh, so, um, so now let's kind of, you know, obviously what we were talking about earlier about the, you know, reasons why maybe some of their eyewitness accounts weren't as accurate. Um, let's get into a little more why. Uh, so eyewitnesses reported their experience many years after the Roswell incident. The passage of time can impact memory, lead into potential inaccuracies or alterations in details 
Moreover, exposure to media coverage and cultural discussions about UFOs may have influenced the recollection, recollection of events. Uh, now, that we obviously do know that you can actually alter your memories. Every time that you think collect it. a memory, it changes. Yep. Collecting yeah. of your memory. Yeah, and you, un, you know, unintentionally, you end up changing it. Um, so, I mean, we do obviously know that that's a thing. However, obviously not everybody, all the witnesses waited to come forward. I mean, Major Marcel was kind of right away. He never really stayed, never really stayed silent. Nope, he was right uh, there. But again, you know, that is obviously a thing. So, I mean, which is why I don't necessarily want to go with just strictly, you know, eyewitness accounts uh now obviously like the military who were there every single day you know actually studied this stuff like the guy who went and loved congress and kind of you know i think he's more believable just because you know once it becomes like an everyday thing um it becomes easier you know like you could sit here and describe your job easily what you do yeah uh so i mean yeah, I mean, a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, though. Like, if it becomes part of your job, it's like, it's not extraordinary at that point. Even, you know, if you worked on alien stuff every single day, you know, at some point it won't become extra- extraordinary anymore. It That's just true. At daily. that point, it would just be an everyday occurrence. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, the media played a significant role in the shaping public perception of Roswell, uh, especially during the early stages. Eyewitnesses may have been exposed to media portrayal portrayals portrayal there you go uh, of UFOs and extraterrestrial encounters, influencing their memories and interpretations of what they saw. Uh, I don't buy that one as much. You know, it's 1947. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure they have like you know newspaper. You know, they're not going to have like TV shows and movies and you know, I mean they had radio, but wasn't like the me yeah. not nearly as influential as it is today with oh, social yeah. media Facebook I'm glad you talked about social media because we're not going to talk about social media <laughs> uh, but the social dyma- dynamics of the time <laughs> included the desire of attention or recognition uh, could have influenced individuals to provide sensational or embellished accounts. Some eyewitnesses might have been influenced by the prevalent UFO narrative and the culture fascination with extraterrestrial phenomenon. Yes, I agree. Um, obviously, I you know Glenn Dennis. I think that's what category he falls under. Yeah. Nurse friends more or less wanted the same thing as well. Yeah. Look, I was there. Now, uh, the only thing that would make it more believable, like if the nurse friends actually were on the base and then he kind of like, like wrote on their, you know, tailcoats or whatever the saying is. Yeah, fine. Um, so, uh, so retelling. Coattails. Yeah. There, there you go. That's what it is. Sorry. Is it coattails? It's coattails. Riding on their. This doesn't sound right to me now. Riding on their. Right? Just doesn't sound right, though. 
coattail. I think it is too, but it doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> okay. Anyway. Right. Anyways, if you know what it is, please comment below. <laughs> uh, so the act of retelling an experience can introduce subtle changes to the person's memory. Uh, additionally, confirmation bias where individuals unconsciously modify their recollection, recollections to align with prevailing beliefs or ex expectations might have influenced the consistency of eyewitness statements. Obviously, that kind of goes into the earlier one a little bit, but confirmation bias, I mean, I don't think that had a huge part in this as much as, you know, the retelling where you, you know, change it. But, I mean, it's just a... Yeah. Stop yawning over there. Yawn first. I know. Um, yeah, I know it has. Uh, so internal consistency within an individual's account and external consistency across multiple eyewitness testimonies are factors that contribute to the credibility. Inconsistencies in details, timelines, or key elements among eyewitness statements may raise questions about the reliability of the overall narrative. Basically, you know, obviously, unless they're saying exactly the same thing. Um, but however... Maybe they didn't all have access to the same thing at the same time, you know. Maybe, you know, it's like that old thing where, uh, yeah, you can have six blind people in a room and each touching a part of the elephant and each one will describe a different animal. It's not until you put all pieces together that you, you know, find out that it's an elephant. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, think about the episode that we did on elephant. Mm -hmm. Like, all of us collectively... More or less the same. Yeah. But, theoretically, still incorrect. You know? So... Yeah, I mean... Collectively, we're all right and wrong. Yeah. So, and it's all over the place. Again, we know, you know, that this happened. Uh, but it is a good thing, kind of, to, you know... Not really to, like, debunk it, I don't think, but kind of just pause for a second and kind of understand that, you know... Obviously, like, I think we've talked about this before. Eyewitness accounts to me are like kind of the lowest form of evidence, uh, mostly because of the stuff that I've talked about already. Um, but I think you've got to take it more, not just with the, you know, eyewitness accounts, which in this case, I think because there is so many of them and they've been so consistent, uh, you know, with uh, exception of Mar you know Mac Brazel, who changed his story, but you know, then s supposedly came into money afterwards. I mean, that's a little suspicious. Little uh, suspicious. And I think even later on in his life, he actually came back and said that you know, it, what he originally said was actually what happened. But either way, I mean, it's you know, you've got so many people. Yeah, in this case, the military personnel that were actually there that I have come forward are the ones that I kind of believe more. Um, you know, and the scientists who actually supposedly work on the pro exactly. project. Exactly. I believe the military personnel have less of a eye yeah. about. Actually, I mean, they've got more to lose by telling the truth than by coming forward. Exactly. Uh, so, but... Uh, so, one critical aspect of assessing credibility is the availability of physical evidence. In the case of Roswell, the lack of tangible evidence directly supporting the existence of extraterrestrial bodies or spacecraft challenges the credibility of eyewitness claims. So, 
basically what this is saying is, you know, they've done dug, dig sites where supposedly the UFO crashed and they haven't been able to find even a scrap of evidence. Some say that, you know, the military can't obviously be that thorough. Uh, but I mean, it's the military with a lot of personnel and a lot of time. Yeah, I bet you they probably can't. I mean, I do get that what they're saying that, you know, you would think that you would find some kind of evidence that they missed. But at the same time, I mean, you know, by this point that they're cleaning stuff up, they kind of know that this is a big deal. So, I mean, they're going to spend a lot of time to make sure they get everything. Every little tiny. Um, so, I mean, obviously, obviously, I think they, you know, because we know that the evidence existed. But, so, I mean, obviously the government did one thing, right? I mean, they hell of a cleanup job. Got up real good. Um, explanation, not so good, but cleanup skills, top notch. 10 out of 10. Uh, just goes into a lot of the blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, nah, basically, that's kind of the whole Roswell thing. Um, it really is a fascinating story. Uh, obviously, the main thing we learned here, besides the fact that, if you didn't know, by the way, uh, yeah, they kind of proved the existence of aliens already. So, if we're just breaking to you that now, you guys really should watch some, not that I like politics, but watch some Congress stuff. Um, aliens totally by the way yeah and I know she sounded uh, sarcastic there but she really was no they really do like Um, they announced it and everything during the height of COVID and they're all busy doing other things but they were like oh by the way (laughs) here you go Um, so I mean you know a lot has changed but it is fascinating like just to see this is like one of those things where like the conspiracy theory was kind of proved right which is, doesn't happen very often, to be honest. But, um, so I mean, all kind of new. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, the fact that this kind of, um, you know, just it, I think the government honestly made this bigger than what it would have been. Um, and I stand by that. You know, if the government wouldn't have been so quick to try to cover this thing up. I think maybe in you know a few years or something, it would have died down. Nobody would have cared, and we probably wouldn't even be talking about it today. I mean, because honestly, there was really, you know, I, I remember after they did like the whole Congress thing, you know, there was a lot of talk about it online. Uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, there was a lot of stuff on there. And then after a few weeks, it kind of died down, and now you really don't hear about it. Nope, because all of us just were like, well, Alrighty then. Duh. (laughs) But I mean, it. I think it helps, you know, especially nowadays, because I mean, anybody who's kind of into science and you know that you kind of get the, you know, you kind of live with the thing that there's so many planets in the universe that statistically it's it's you know it's basically inevitable that other alien races exist. That's what I was gonna say. Like just thinking about us being the 
only planet with life. Like, first of all, that's just honestly selfish and just really weird. I was going to say the same thing, but I was going to try to use... There's, no, it's just word. really selfish. Yeah. Like, really, but, we're the only yeah. ones. The only ones. No, there's got to be other life out there. All period. Right. I don't know if they can visit us or not, but there has to be other life. I mean, obviously, like, obviously we know they visit us, at least at one point. Uh, but yeah, that's that's always the thing that, like, I never doubted the fact that there were aliens. Uh, I mean, because... Like I said, statistically, you just can't. Uh, there's just too many planets in the, you know, and this is just talking about the known universe. I mean, there's still parts of the universe that we don't know anything about, and we I don't know way outside of our own. Yeah, we don't know how big the universe is. I mean, in, theoretically, the universe can be infinite. So, the fact that you know people say, "Oh, there can't be aliens," I mean obviously you can't say that because there's no way you could prove that or even know that um but it's just obviously we know that the aliens exist obviously we know that at least one point they were here uh, i mean that kind of has been proven and what else has been proven that the government sucks at cover-up other balloons yeah. Which, by the way, I think kind of like debunks a lot of other um, conspiracy theories. For sure. <laughs> like, it, it, it's funny because, no joke, like, and I'm sorry if you believe both of these, uh, like, because obviously Roswell was a cover up, you know, confirmed. But there was actually people who would believe that Roswell was a cover up because the government was so poor at covering it up. But then they also believe that the moon landing was a hoax because the government was so good at, you know, staging it. And it's like, do you not see the contradictoriness in those two statements? I mean, the government can't, you know, cover up alien life on Earth, but they can make you believe that they were on the moon. I mean, it just always... I'm sure I just pissed a lot of people off, but... Yeah, you might have, but you know what? <clears throat> We're just list. really good at pissing people yeah. off, so it's okay. That's what we do here. It just, I mean... But yeah, I, I think the fact that... That's what... The fact that this has been proven to, you know, be true that the government does suck at cover-ups does disprove a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Because a lot of them are where the government has to be almost be like a mastermind. Smart to oh. They're really not because, like, weather balloon. <laughs> Need I Come say more? Come up with something better than that. And it, it is kind of funny that that that's the one that was proven to be true is the one that like just makes them look so incompetent. <laughs> so I mean, uh, and you know that's like inevitably whenever there's a like cover up, somebody or somebody's are eventually going to come forward. And, but then you got these people who just want like to cause chaos or, you know, get their name in the spotlight that kind of ruin it for everybody. So you got to kind of, you know, muck through the nastiness. There's always people out there who want to spotlight the person right in the middle of all of it. I don't even want people to know my name. Like, honestly, this was the hardest thing I ever did was do this podcast with you. Put your name out there. Yeah. Um, no joke. Like, 
I mean, you anybody that's been listening probably can tell from like the first videos to like now. Every time we're like, I'm Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be here. Uh, but no, I mean, it's just it, it's like I'm I'm just not that person that would want to put my name out there, you know. Late now. Yeah, I know. But like, I wouldn't want to stand up on a stage and be like, "Hey, this is how this happened," or you know, "This is." I'd rather piss people off from a behind a microphone. <laughs> Especially Chester's. Fuck Chester's. Fuck Chester. I agree. I, Look, I'm getting more confident every time I say I know. it. You are. <laughs> I haven't said it in a couple episodes, so I'm like, you know, it's an obligation. Is an obligation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Roswell is definitely. Is still fascinates me. I mean, even though we, you know, like I said, we know what happened. Uh, it's still just fascinating. It's such a good story, it though. It really is. I mean, from the start, uh, you know, the, even the aftermath, and even just the kind of like the government, like almost three stooging it and like stumbling over their own selves. And that's the thing. Like, you can't honestly make up this story. <laughs> I mean, it's so stupid. But it almost, it's almost one of those things where it's so stupid that it it's almost true type thing where, you know. Exactly. Uh, so they almost got it right that way. I mean, because honestly, you know, it's it, it's almost like so stupid, like obviously and blatant and like a cover up that it almost seems like it's true and not a cover up, if that right. makes sense. It like kind of goes full circle all the way around. It's like when you did the Crime or Cap episode yeah. where I was trying to figure out if it was literally so bad that it might have been true (laughs) because some of them like if you guys haven't listened to the episode there was one he did this episode where he was trying to i was trying to figure out he tested me and he would give me examples one of which was real one of which was false and i had to guess which of them was real and like there was a cult and there was like a cult whether <laughs> Matt's just laughing. I'm not gonna forget it. I know. Was it like it was like uh, a cult that like Oh, what was it? it revolved was... around worshipping the Taco oh, Bell yeah, the dog. dog. <laughs> and the other one was like they worshipped like Bigfoot or something. No, that was the uh the oh, Ant Hill Kid or The Ant Hill Kids cult, yeah. yeah. Which was a real one, yeah. by the way. That was freaking real. And I was sitting here and it literally was so bizarre. Both of them were absolutely so bizarre that I sat here staring him down because they both sounded so straight up insane that they both had to be plausible at some point. I want you to know, like, for anybody that's wa- listened to that episode, uh, I cut out like five minutes of her pause and think about this. <laughs> it blew my mind because I was trying to figure out, like... It was so insane that it could have actually been real. (laughs) And that's kind of where it leads us to hear, like, there are some cases where reality is, in fact, so crazy that it might be real. Definitely check out that episode, because it was hilarious. Uh, But yeah, I mean, sometimes the, the strangest things are, like, the most believable in, in a way. I mean, it, you, you almost have to get to a certain point where it's like, it almost goes full circle, but you're just like flirting with going full circle. If that makes sense. Where it's, you just kind of, uh, almost aligned, yeah. not quite. 
and I mean that's exactly what I did with that, you know. And I knew I, I knew that it. Was, I did know what he was doing yeah. with that episode. It's just it's so unbelievable that it almost seems real. Uh, and that's really exactly what I was going for because I knew, you know, because some of the ones that I came up with, man, or you know, that I found were like crazy in their own self, like the Angel kids thought, you know thought that the world was going to end but then it didn't because god was in a different time zone i'm telling you guys it was just it's kind of the same <laughs> yeah exactly the same it could be about real yeah so uh, yeah i mean i think that's exactly how the government kind of got it right but at the same time kind of got it wrong because exactly. i think they went too far uh and i mean obviously we know it was mostly unintentional. Uh, I think they just kind of, you know, tripped over their own selves. Um, but still a good story nonetheless. Great story. And Jordan thought I was doing cryptids this week, so I kind of, I had to change it up. I don't want Jordan to know what I'm doing week from week. You know, next week we might do another trivia show. I don't know what to expect from you at this point. I just come in and expect to be verbally abused. Honestly, part of my madness is like all usually at the beginning of the week, like after we get done recording tonight, tomorrow, I'll kind of get like three topics that I kind of think I want to do. Uh, You know, last week I didn't do that because honestly, I thought I was going to do cryptids. And then when I sat down to do the cryptids, one of the cryptids I came across was the gray aliens. Yep. Then you got uh, distracted. Yeah. And then I'm like, Ooh, got Roswell. And it didn't help that I was watching that TV show Roswell. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's good story nonetheless. So that's all I got for today. I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, just, like subscribe comment it really helps us out especially commenting um but thank you for listening as always we keep you guessing